Hello everyone, my name is Sylwia Gorajek and this is another episode of Valley Talks. Today we're here at Runway Incubator and I'm very excited to welcome Joe Vasquez, Manager of Partnerships at Runway and co-founder of Michelson Runway Accelerator. Hello Joe, it's such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for hosting me today. You've always been involved in startups. Um, while you were studying at Stanford University, you co-founded StartX Accelerator. Then you got involved in partnerships at Runway. And now you co-founded another accelerator called Michelson Runway Accelerator. So what drove you into starting this new accelerator? Great question. I, I thought that there was a really big need for an edtech accelerator focused specifically on higher education. I, I think it goes without saying that there is a tremendous amount of disparities and challenges within the education ecosystem in the United States and abroad. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to focus specifically on higher education because that's where we felt like we could make the biggest dent. We find that a lot of startups that are working with the cutting edge technologies are not finding the talent and the employee mm -hmm. pool, the best developers, the best managers, to ad adequately build their technology startups. So we built this program focused specifically on higher education and are launching our first cohort in about three weeks. So it's pretty exciting and we're really fortunate to be a part of it. I think our broader goal is to invest in technologies and services that make it easier for at-risk students to access persist through and complete higher education. Right now, higher education is incredibly difficult to navigate. You have scholarships, you have debt, you have terrible mentorship infrastructure. You have a lot of challenges that at-risk students might not know how to navigate, especially if they're first-generation students. So these technology tools and these services are hoping to circumvent or mitigate those challenges for at-risk students. So we partnered with about 10 institutions including the entire California State University system to try out these products, get feedback, and build something better. So as I mentioned before, we're launching in the next month. We have about 175 applications so far and are investing twenty-five dollars to $125,000 per company. So it's really exciting and uh, we're excited to see where this, where this goes. When startups apply to your accelerator, um, how do you see the fact that they already went through some different accelerator? How is it, I understand this is pretty competitive too, right? Like accelerators want to own those companies. Like, is it okay that they went through some different program before or? Totally, okay. and I, I think that's a great question. You know, we've been talking with a lot of other managers and directors of other accelerators out there. Uh, we don't really see ourselves as competitive, but synergistic. Mm -hmm. I think as a whole, to improve the education system, we really need to work together. It's very fragmented, a lot of siloed programs that really are not talking to each other. So we're able to take the learnings from 500 startups from Y Combinator and bring that talent and those resources into our program. The reason why we wanted to be so specific and focus on higher ed is because it's so competitive right now. You have these great programs, StartX, AngelPad, Y Combinator, 500 startups, all of these great programs that are providing resources for general startups. Mm -hmm. We want it to be a little bit more niche and actually have a more defined impact. And also, could you explain for those people that are not maybe well aware of the difference between 
accelerator and incubator because this is something that gets mixed uh, sometimes and runway is an incubator right Correct. and also now it's starting this accelerator program um, so what's the difference between those <laughs> no great question i think we have a tendency to throw around a lot of really big buzzwords in silicon valley uh, traction ab testing accelerators incubators and sometimes they all mean the same thing uh, maybe not in this case but when we talk about incubator in this particular context, it tends to be a, a little bit more laissez-faire, meaning a little bit more hands-off. So it's providing office space, venture capital office hours, uh, marketing office hours, the general infrastructure that startups need to be successful, but not in so much a defined programming with equity tape or with an equity investment. Accelerators are more structured. Usually there's cohorts three, four months, five months, mm -hmm. with pilot programs, investment. So that's generally the, the distinction that you'll make. I'm sure that you've seen so many uh, incredible startup stories. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, your story is very impressive as well. And I probably see the reference with this higher edu education to your experience, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us more about your story? and? Uh, from what I know, you were born deaf, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and now you speak several languages. So that's very impressive. Tell us more about your story, how, how it all happened. Um, so my first language is sign language. I went to an all deaf school for about two and a half, three years or so. And I remember um, being surrounded by an environment of supportive people, um, supportive uh, teachers, counselors, what have you. Um, but my father was very adamant that I'd become mainstream and I go into quote unquote a normal school. And the transition was incredibly challenging for me. Obviously, it's culturally different, it's socially different, there's so many differences. Mm -hmm. For someone who's five years old, might not be able to navigate. But the one thing that I really was able to take away from it was the ability to listen. And I think uh, this really translates into a lot of parts of my life. People are so stuck on their, their idea. They might have the, the coolest innovation. They might think they're fundamentally solving a problem, but if they're not able to listen to the users and listen to the community, then their product will not actually have an impact. Um, so I think the irony for me is that even if I'm deaf, I'm still able to listen incredibly well. Um, and that's something that I hopefully will take for the rest of my life. I am first generation, I'm Latino. Um, my family is originally from Cuba, um, half on my father's side. And uh, I went to Stanford University undergrad. I was one of the first, uh, first two in our school to go to Stanford University. Um, my school was uh, a, a great school um, and nobody had really ventured to the West Coast to go to college. And I got to Stanford and I was mesmerized by the, the culture of innovation, of startups, of trying new things, of risk, of intellectual drive that I really never yeah. found anywhere else. Where were you raised, actually? In New York. Uh-huh. So I am a, a New Yorker. I don't have the accent of a New Yorker. I, I, I like my coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely lost the New York accent. People are a little bit disappointed. Um, in fact, my family only calls me during a snowstorm. And they're like, so uh, when are you coming back to the East Coast? Are you moving back out here? I'm like, ah, too cold for me. I'm never coming back out there. Um, so you moved here after high school? I moved here after high school, correct. I've been out here for about 10 years now. When I got to Stanford, I was mesmerized by this, this startup culture. 
um, was involved in a lot of different nonprofit groups, mm -hmm. was in a cross between electrical and civil engineering. And I fell in with this group called SSC Labs. It was actually called SSC Ventures before. And we were a small venture capital fund focused on investing in Stanford startups. We were writing small convertible notes. We were investing in what we thought were cool technology. But our impact was not quite scalable. Obviously, you need a lot of capital to be a, um, an effective investor. So we started getting feedback from the community that they needed mentorship, that they needed support, that they needed space, that they needed infrastructure to build the product. Not so much money. Obviously, money is important. And I think you know, that really goes back to my ability to listen. And our team decided to build out an accelerator program. This is a StartX. And this became StartX, correct. And StartX was formed in partnership with AOL. AOL donated a lot of their office space. Um, we partnered with Oric to provide uh, legal advice and legal uh, support. And the, the community just really rallied behind this initiative. The Stanford name is obviously um, second to none. Um, I work with some Harvard colleagues who, uh, we get into a little bit of a competition about this. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> by the way. And the community really rallied behind it. And it was something that really goes to show that entrepreneurship is not just about one man locked in a room mm -hmm. with a cool idea. It's about building that community, that network of people who could support you. Um, and it's, it's uh, not so much about taking, but it's about listening to their ideas, about being flexible, about changing, and about actually building something that solves a real um, meaningful need. So, so uh, talking about this, uh, you've mm -hmm. seen so many startup stories. Mm -hmm. What's the most common mistake that they are making according to you? Totally. I, I mean, I think the theme that I, I have been trying to make is, is around empathy and that ability to listen. Steve Jobs, um, he had a pretty famous quote where he basically said that um, if Henry Ford was walking around before he invented the car and he was asking people what they need, most people would have said that they needed a faster horse and people would have been immediately in a room trying to figure out how to make a faster horse. But Steve Jobs said that it's not our job to um, ask people what they want it's our job to build things that they're going to want. And he hit the nail somewhat on the head, but I think he was missing that piece of trying to figure out and tease out the underlying problems that people have. Fundamentally, when people said that they needed a faster horse, they were asking for speed. They were asking for a, um, a consistent and reliable mode of transportation that got them from point A to point B quicker, faster. Not so much a horse, but it could be anything else. Um, so I, I really like that quote because it really reminds me to listen all the time. A lot of startups don't do that. When it comes to pitching ideas, whether to accelerators or to investors, you've seen so many pitches as well. Um, what's the main thing that startups should remember about where they are doing the, their pitch? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? And it really depends on the context. In terms of accelerators, we oftentimes evaluate much more based on the team. Um, so obviously, you have to have a well-balanced team, technical talent, leadership, uh, operational experience, marketing experience, and it's nice to have that broad skill set. Mm -hmm. But we also like founders who admit that they've failed before. And failure is somewhat of a hallmark of a successful entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. 
Uh, a lot of other cultures around the world, as I've traveled, failure is synonymous with, well, ultimately not being successful. And in Silicon Valley, failure is somewhat a step to success. It's about being experienced. Exactly, right. right. And learning from those experiences. And everyone knows that this is what Silicon Valley is famous for, that when you fail, it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. It means that you've been through something and you uh, should know what mistakes not to make again. Um, and can you confirm that this is really the case in reality? Like, it's not only about that we talk about this, but this is really something that uh, is valuable to investors and accelerators. Oh, totally. I, I, and, um, I, I think it would be one thing just to talk about it and then another thing to actually do it. And I think the whole advent of accelerators was more or less a, an experimental laboratory for startups. Um, you see time and time again that startups will fail in accelerators, they'll iterate, they'll build new products, they'll completely change their business model. And oftentimes startups coming out of Y Combinator will get significant amounts of funding, 500 startups, startups. Um, so really accelerators were built to allow people to safely fail um, and actually learn from their, from their failures. When startups come to Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. uh, they don't know much about the ARAD environment. Um, what would you advise them to do so that they really take the biggest advantage of, of this place? Technology doesn't necessarily translate well across cultures or languages. Education, enterprise startups, mobile startups, it, it, um, it definitely requires a cultural nuance um, so just becoming a part of that community is really important. And joining Runway, joining WeWork, joining Y Combinator, joining 500 Startups is a really good first step. The other challenge that I, I see, particularly of a lot of Asian startups, is that they'll come over, they'll have a specific Japanese incubator, or they'll have mm -hmm. a Korean lab, or they'll have something specific for people that they know, talk, act, and feel like. But they don't actually go out and immerse themselves in the community. So go to parties of people that you've never met before. Go to different groups and meetups and, and go to the park, go to a silent disco and start meeting people who are not like you. Because that diversity of thought will allow you to make your technology startup that much more successful. When it comes to advice for startups, you spoke about listening to users. Uh, that's something that you always, I'm sure, like recommend them and uh, put pressure on in your accelerator. Is there anything else that you think that it's good to tell them to remember about, which they tend to forget because they are focusing so much on their products? Totally. I mean, obviously it depends on B2B, B2C, and really what type of marketplace. I think the overarching theme is empathy and, and listening to your users. I think that's really broadly mm -hmm. applicable and something that should be um, thought about all the time. Uh, another thing is humility and being, um, it's okay to be wrong and, and changing your product is something that um, is okay. Uh, it That's really, actually pretty common, I would say, right? <laughs> uh, some people actually do, ch are, uh, they struggle with that sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that would be really important. Another thing is communicating value. Uh, when you're actually communicating value of a product, of a service, of a solution, is communicating that value in terms of that person, that user. So instead of saying, we offer XYZ solution, saying, you will get XYZ by using my solution. Or 
trying to think of a problem and how my product solves your problem. Uh, oftentimes nowadays, we'll, we'll talk about things in terms of features. Uh, if you've ever seen a, a talk by a gentleman named Simon Sinek, he has a very famous talk on TED.com. And the, the title of the talk is Start With Why. Uh, basically comparing large tech companies, for example, Microsoft, is focused on features, mm -hmm. on cool processors, on chips, on uh, the, the graphical user interface, on stuff that people don't really care about. What they care about is the experience, about the problem that's actually getting solved. Apple is much more illustrious, much more big picture. They'll talk about how it allows you to become a leader. It connects you to the world. It helps solve problems that you have in your everyday life. So when communicating about your product, Communicate about the problem and how my product solves your problem. Um, well, in terms of, of startups that are looking to come to Silicon Valley, I'm always looking to work with great entrepreneurs who have cool problems to solve and cool technologies. Um, so I, I fully encourage anybody to reach out to me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, smoke signals, uh, really anything else. And uh, just don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask me for help. Um, I'm more than happy to help. Um, I think some of the greatest founders and some of the greatest people in Silicon Valley always ask the question, how can I help? Joe, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, for everyone who'd want to find more information about Michelson Runway Accelerator or to find you, how they can do that? If you're looking to find more information about the Michelson Runway Accelerator specifically, you can go to michelsonrunway.com. Uh, we were in partnership with the Michelson 20mm Foundation, which was funded by Dr. Gary K. Michelson, an amazing philanthropist who has really um, allowed us to do the work that we're doing. If you want to find out more information about the incubator or Runway, just go to runway.is and feel free to send me an email or a Facebook chat or anything. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting. Thank you, Joe, so much. Great. Thank you.